your Advent journey, you know, if he, we look at the scripture in this cycle, every, the church's lectionary cycle is three years, so every third year we'll have the same readings, but the, the cycle began with a lot of readings, both on Sunday and weekdays, that were reminiscent of the end of the church year, right up through the Feast of Christ the King, what we call very apocalyptic, very, you know, grand, the, the battle for the battle for good and evil, the battle for heaven, the battle, as it were, at the end times, the book of Revelation in the New Testament, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. It was very present to us that what we were hoping for, what we expect in faith, is that a Lord and a, a, a Lord who will be, lead us to that victory and preserve us in the battle. It's very, very grand language. It's very much the end times. Then we moved into a number of days this week and, you know, last week and the week before. We, a number of days focused on John the Baptist. John is the last of the prophets. The one who would be the last to say, here, you know, the Lord is coming. And be the one prophet to see him arrive and to point to him. The one who would call upon us to change our ways, to seek redemption, turn away from sin. It is two broad themes that are part of the preparation. It reflects so much of what we hear just today. So we have our first reading from Micah. Micah is one of, you know, he's a lesser prophet, and that really only comes about because it's a shorter book, lesser in that sense. But granted, he follows or is in part of our mindset. We hear about Isaiah and Jeremiah all the more. We heard Baruch earlier in Advent. But Micah sets the stage for all of this Jewish, the Israelite people's prophecy that they needed. They would have a king. They would have an anointed one. So that was all that today it should hearken us back to the lessons we know and the, the teachings we heard and the scriptures we heard about John the Baptist. And our second reading, this letter to the Hebrews, is this proper language of looking through the Lord to the end time. That he would be our savior. He will be our redeemer. He will be the one who on the judgment day weighs us, one against, you know, maybe just against our own actions really. So we have, just today, we have a concise way of looking through those first two readings. We have a way of looking at the fullness of the Advent journey, very appropriate for the fourth Sunday. And then the church chooses a gospel. Now, the gospel then, the last word of scripture that we're going to hear before we come together to celebrate Christmas, the last word certainly, you know, for all of you, you know, it won't necessarily, God bless them, it won't have an effect on some of the people that show up for Christmas, because they won't have heard this. But the last thing, in order to give that, that, that sense of here's something to take with you, if you don't get anything else, take this with you. So we have the grand story of the prophets. We have the amazing language of the end times. And everything passes through in our understanding. This day, this moment, this period of preparation, everything is dependent upon two pregnant women having a conversation. Now, I am, I am an unmarried celibate male. And I don't know whether that makes some women more comfortable, but whenever I'm with kind of a gathering of a couple of women and one is pregnant, it quickly gets very uncomfortable for me with some of the discussion. 
much less, and I have to believe, when it's two pregnant women, it's multiplied exponentially. And I just usually find a way, okay, I'm gonna go talk to the Knights of Columbus about <laughs> testosterone or whatever, so. I, apo I, I apologize, but it is this sense that when we have this story, and it's a wonderful story of Mary's encounter with Elizabeth, but it is so, even though the words and the dialogue, the, the expressions from Elizabeth, she's the key character today, it is such a human and humane and down-to-earth moment. It is purposeful in that regard for us on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We had this as a, a weekday reading. We've heard this a number of times. We, we had versions. You know, all of this encounter is common throughout the Advent season. But to specifically place it today, the church does for a reason. Because we have to draw from this moment. Now, what do we have before us? We have Mary. She left in haste. The angel Gabriel, Gabriel had told her that she's now with child by the power of the Spirit. And guess what? Your cousin in her old age, is expecting a child. The angel didn't say you should go visit her or you should go take care of her. She just went of her own accord, and she went in haste. I find it hard to believe that she would have had then the resources to send a messenger on ahead. Maybe, maybe she did. But for her to arrive, and Elizabeth to immediately understand, even if she was told, even if, you know, Mary was able to send, you know, some you know, other cousins, some teenager, run ahead. It's about a five-day journey for me. You can get there in two or three. Tell her what's happened to me, and I'm on my way. Well, what would you, if someone walked up to you and said, oh, yeah, your cousin's coming to visit, and guess what? She's having a baby, and there's no father. <laughs> Elizabeth, in her old age, in her wisdom, oh, I don't think this would have been her first statement when she came through the door. But she understood something about that encounter, something about J John leaping in her womb, allowed her to fully comprehend in that moment, it all came rushing back to her. It all came rushing back what the prophets, she was a good Jewish woman, had spent her life trying to understand the, the prophecies and the proclamations of the, the, given to the Jewish people, the Israelite people. And she, in that moment, it all came together. And she was able to say, how is it that the mother of my Lord is coming into my house? And why is it that the child in my womb leaps at the sound of your voice? The very sound of your voice. Elizabeth becomes this, this intersection, this point through which all of salvation history passes. This dialogue is that intersection that we understand the fulfillment of the prophecy, maybe not in the way some of the Israelite people anticipated, and we begin, finally, as a people with, with true belief to anticipate the promise of the end times. But it's done, like I said, and it's almost kind of, and you, know, you react to it, you giggle a little bit. It's all dependent upon the conversation of two pregnant women, who not only after this moment probably began moving to just all of the mundane things of everyday life. How do we do this? How do we, what should I expect of that? What's next? How do we do this? And for both, it's their first. And they come together as family, as kinswoman, as they say. And that's the pivotal moment. So what do we have to take away? Well, just consider what's in there and what we know would be the case. 
in order to fully understand the prophecy and to fully understand the hope of the end times, what do we have in this room at that moment? Well, we have joy. We have joy. They're joy-filled for their, their, their expecting children. They're joy-filled for being together. They're joy-filled for knowing that the prophecies are to be fulfilled and the end times will be, will be better. It's joy. It's hope. There is nothing more exemplary to all of us of hope than a pregnant, uh, a pregnant mom. The fullness of hope, the children that will grow and be and become. It's hope. It's trust. It's trust that everything we've been taught and everything we've taken unto ourselves is true, is real, is valid, is valuable. It's trust in what will happen, whether it's a, a child of, of, you know, of miraculous circumstances or a child of old age. It's trust in the Lord. It's trust in one another. It's trust. So we have joy. We have hope. We have trust. And finally, it's love. It's love. The love that Mary has for Elizabeth, her, her cousin, the love that... Elizabeth has for this young cousin of hers, Mary, this love that they both have for the child in their womb. It's love. In order for us to understand the fullness of the prophecy and the promise that is of what is to come at the end times, we, I believe, must have these four elements. Joy, hope, trust, and love. And if we bring those with us as the culmination of our Advent preparation, we will enter into Christmas Day, the Nativity of the Lord, joy-filled at what's coming, hopeful at what is coming, trusting in what's coming, and in love with what the Lord brings to us, in love with the Lord himself. So it may seem, may seem to some anticlimactic, but all of the promise of the past and all of the hope of the future, it goes through, it intersects, it goes through a conversation an embrace of two women expecting children. And we are all the better for it. Blessings to you.